This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to NL Interviews. I have with me John Elliott, who has been in India for over 25 years. He's a former Financial Times uh, journalist and um, has written for The Economist, New Statesman and Fortune magazine. Uh, now he writes a blog on South Asian current affairs called Riding the Elephant that also appears on the websites of Newsweek, The Independent and Asia Sentinel. John, you have the experience of covering India for 25 years, and I think you're a veteran at seeing, observing post-truth, uh, which has now, of course, been given a label. The disease has a name. And perhaps you could talk, talk to us about your experiences when you're covering issues which you found were uh, propagated by politicians in India, which you knew were blatant lies, and people still believed them. Yes, I mean, as you say, it's always happened, though I suppose it's become more prevalent and more worrying now with, with social media and the ability of people to tweet the, the post-truths. Um, certainly Indira Gandhi did it when, when she was Prime Minister, and I guess Rajiv Gandhi when he came back as well. Um, and then you have military dictators like Zia in, in Pakistan, who I saw right at the beginning, uh, who, who try to blanket out the reality by just making broad statements. I can't remember them after all this time, but making broad statements. Um, and and, and I, it's been most noticeable recently with demonetization, um, because um, Aaron Jetley, the finance minister, was saying by around November the 19th, um, that it was going to be that the, the, the demonetized economy with the digital economy was going to be the new normal. And that new normal started to be said around November 19th, which was two weeks after it was announced, and they carried on saying it. They're still saying it. He, Aaron Jetley is still making a speech saying the new normal, and everybody knows it's not the new normal. I mean, in fact, when he first said it, I almost made it a headline on my blog, and then I thought, I can't put it in a headline. It's such a stupid thing to have said. So I put it, <laughs> I put it, further, down the, I put it further, down the, further down the column. Um, and and um, the, the Prime Minister said around the same time that any evidence of economic slowdown was mere anecdotal, merely mere anecdote, um, which he hoped would spread out. And that sort of message does spread. People do begin to accept it. You begin to you do begin to wonder whether he's right, and it's just all of us gossiping in Delhi or gossiping in the village or gossiping wherever. Um, and in fact, these guys are telling the truth, but we know they're not. Um, the most recent one is Amitabh Kant, who's um, a close Modi advisor and uh, was depart was secretary for industry, who ran the Make in India campaign. Well, nobody's making in India any more than they were before, and he quotes FDI statistics to try and prove. That, that people are coming in to make in India, and there's no connection because the people who are coming in with FDI, with foreign direct investment, are not making, and in manufacturing sense, they're doing other things. Yet he keeps on saying it. And his latest one is that by 2020, there won't, we won't be using any plastic credit cards, we won't be using checkbooks, etc., etc. He said it here, and I had him on a session yesterday and challenged him here in, here in Jaipur. He said it in Davos, that was on TV the other night. Um, and he's made it said it several times, and you can't. So when you him challenged him, what did he say? Oh, he went off into a whole ream of stuff about how brilliant everything was, and ignored the fact that the, that the internet didn't connect. I mean, he ignored the fact when I told him that in my hotel here in Jaipur, I couldn't order an Ola cab because I couldn't get a connection to the. To, I hadn't got a 3G telecom connection, mm -hmm. so I couldn't use my my mo my, my, my iPhone to to call a taxi cab. Uh, and then he said in in Davos that it's going to be the biggest change in the world, in, in the whole history of the world. And he knows it's not true, yet he keeps on saying it because he wants to get the message across that digital India is going to work. 
But um, John, won't it be even worse when the reality that people live in in India jars uh, into their lives? They know they know that what they're living is not is not matching what they're told is true. They people who are losing their jobs, hundreds of people have been fired. Uh, cars, you know, there are uh, automobile industries who have shut down for half the week, half the month. Uh, the same with motorcycles. So, uh, doesn't at some point post-truth defeat itself? Because when people are living the opposite, uh, it just then translates into voting against these lying politicians. Well, I suppose I suppose it does up to a point. But then you just vote them out and have another lot doing the same thing and vote them out the next time as well. Um, and in this case, there's a. In this case, there's a hope that um, uh, the government obviously hopes that the basic belief that, hey, we have a guy, the Prime Minister being there, hey, we have a guy who is trying to tackle this problem, will win through. Well, he tried, you know, we ought to vote him in again so he can have another try. On the, on, on the black money aspect, I'm, I'm on then. But going back to Aaron Jetley, who's the finance minister, who I mentioned just now, I sometimes think that lawyers um, are, the, are some of the worst people at post-truth because... They don't need to tell the truth. The lawyer, when he goes into court to argue a case, isn't being expected by neither the judge nor the jury nor anybody else expect him to be telling the truth. They expect him to be representing his client. The truth to a lawyer, in my view, is totally immaterial um, because they're hired to, to defend or prosecute. They're not um, uh, hired like a journalist or, um, yeah, like a journalist. Who's who, supposed to tell the truth? Who's supposed who's supposed to analyse and, and and tell the truth? And and one hopes academics do do too. But they're not. So maybe it's not surprising that Aaron Jetley behaves as though he was in a in a court of law and says, "Oh, it's, it's take the prime minister's phrase, it's anecdotal. There's there's minimal problems with the economy. It's a temporary phenomena." My lord, he would say in in the court. <laughs> Well, Arun Jetli, as personable as he is, has, um, from the start, with his association with the BJP, with the BJP, always represented them as a lawyer would uh, represent a client. Yes. And and unquestioningly, uh, particularly, I remember during after Godra, he had no defence for it, but in some sense was still. Uh, defending it because he was their lawyer ostensibly. Now, in this in this case, where demonetization is so obvious that things have caused so much of hardship, particularly in the rural areas and to farmers, um, how idiotic or how stupid do they think the Indian public is that we will take it? Uh, there comes a, uh, my question again: is that there has to be a break point with post-truth? Well, I wonder, you know, because, um, I mean, let's look at the railways. Uh, yesterday, I mean, I haven't seen the news because I've been busy here at the festival, but I believe yesterday there was another serious railway crash yes. and with, with many people dead, yeah. which is a tragedy. Um, and when I wrote about post-truth on my blog, which was after demonetization, there'd been another railway crash the day before. And every time there's a railway crash in this country, um, the, the politician, and the railway minister, um, and maybe the chief minister, announces lacks of money for the, for, the, for, the, for, the, for the families who've been bereaved or seriously injured. And they announce an inquiry. And they tell and that the message to the people is, everything's okay. We've looked after the people who've suffered. We've ordered an inquiry. But you never hear any more about it afterwards. It's another form of post-truth, where you think that by announcing certain things, you can block out the reality and, and people won't worry. But the railway situation is, a, is becoming um, a crisis. 
that there are so many crashes and nobody really gets into the issue of what the, what the railway minister is doing about it. I mean, internet services and having internet freely available on a railway station is marvellous. It would be much better if the trains didn't crash when they left the railway station. Yeah. There seems to be a cover-up on everything, including, including school buses that are crashing with children dying, um, the traffic laws. There's a cover-up, it seems, every time a tragedy takes place. Uh, whether it's related to um, ISIS, I mean, related to um, uh, bomb blasts, uh, related to uh, Kashmir, uh, particularly in yeah. Kashmir, uh, things happen and post-truth starts evolving with a spin of its own. And are, in fact, our channels, TV channels and journalism, journalists play a crucial role in propagating those post-truths? Yes, of course. There are vested interests which, which just want to keep things as they are. And nobody really analyzes properly and frequently enough and in headlines enough why, um, why more efforts aren't made to solve it. I mean, and the, the India-Pakistan problem, the, the vested interests, as I say, which, which don't want to change it, it's much easier for the Indian government um, just not to bother. Because there are too many people are. who, are, uh, who are, have, are at an advantage with the conflict continuing. Exactly. And um, Sorry. Yeah. So, in some in some sense, this labeling of post-truth is a good thing because by exposing it, uh, journalists now have to pay attention. Yes, if it keeps going and doesn't doesn't just become a craze to talk about it for a short time, then it get then it gets forgotten. But going back to social media, I think with social media, although the public, of course, I mean people who tweet can object to what's being said, but it's a great vehicle for getting out. Um, post-truth messages mm -hmm. for the Prime Minister yes. um, and we, we, we will see whether whether Pre President Trump is in fact a post-truther or whether he really <laughs> carries out some of the things that he's been he got elected with maybe we should call them pre-truths because yes. he, had, he wasn't elected but he was elected with a whole load of slogans which sound, sound fantastic to the people who voted him in not to the people who didn't want him of course um, but that's using social media just getting getting your message out Thank you very much, John. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.